Technology has never been more vital to the success of people and organizations around the globe. And that's where you come in. Welcome to MindQuest. I am your host, Mikel Morales, and this is Mission Control Center. Hello and welcome to Mission Control Center, your one-stop shop for IT careers and recruitment advice. This week we asked ourselves, what makes a good web developer? To answer that question, we interview Berlin-based front-end expert Stefan Judis, who leads developer relations at Contentful and knows a thing or two about how to become a great web dev. Visit mindquest.io slash blog for a full transcript of the interview, as well as a new article discussing today's IT job market. But without further delay, let's welcome Stefan. Welcome, Stefan, and thank you so much for being here today sharing your story with us. Let's start from the beginning. Who is Stefan Judis? Hello, everyone. I'm Stefan. Uh, I work for Contentful in the developer relations team. And yeah, basically, I do web development. I speak, tweet, write, stream, all, all the things that I find interesting and do a lot of uh, web stuff. Thanks for having me. The pleasure is ours. Thanks for being here. So how did you get started in technology? What's your story? I started uh, working in a completely different field. So after school, I was working as a sound engineer, actually, and I worked for German television. So what I did for a couple of years was mixing stuff uh, for, for sports TV shows mainly. Uh, but then I figured out that I don't want to do that my whole life because at that moment I had the kind of feeling like, nah, that's not going to fly going forward. And then I thought, well... You've been always good with computers. And then I started studying here in Berlin. So I'm based in Berlin. And I learned to program stuff. It all started with a little bit of C++ and Java and all these kind of things that you learn in university. And as many people do here in Berlin, uh, Berlin is a very startup, startup heavy um, city. So I did my first internship, um, worked in Magento, PHP. Uh, real front-end stuff, what I do these days, was not really a thing yet. Um, but yeah, I took my first internship, and from then I just uh, jumped from company to company and learned that I love the web and love uh, writing and uh, creating content around web technologies. And what was it made you fall in love with web development? Uh, I always liked the the visual aspect. So when I started, I was really down into the PHP Magento stack, and I think I thought it was kind of cool. But I always liked um, this whole visual animation part of doing web development. Development, and when I started, it was like uh, still jQuery days, but probably a lot of people know slide up, slide down, uh, fade in, fade out, all these kind of tiny functions that you had in jQuery. I, I found these incredibly appealing. And then slowly but surely front-end development became a real thing. More complexity got into that. And I'm, uh, uh, I was completely hooked by all this new technology that came up. And yeah, then I found out, well, Building for the web is fun, and since then I try to build uh, the best stuff possible. And what would you say was the hardest part of your transition into tech? Especially in web development, learning is difficult. Uh, I do web now for, for 10 years, and when I started, I was incredibly impressed with what the people were doing there. So the, I remember I was, uh, I was sitting next to a colleague, and, and they opened uh, their terminal, and they were doing some fancy stuff in this black window. And I was like, holy moly, here's a completely different world. Um, and I think it was rather challenging to figure out, first of all, what, what do I have to know? What should I know? But also uh, building a career around that. I, I think it's important to figure out what 
what do you actually like? Um, so even though now I said that I specialize in front-end technologies, that took me quite a while. I would assume, or I would say that that took me two, three years to actually find out and get a, get a clearer picture of what is actually out there um, to kind of spend my focus on. And it, it only has gotten getting worse, especially in the, in the front-end sphere, um, because there's so much technology out there. I see a lot of people that are just asking me, hey, Stefan, what should I learn? And I'm like, pfft. Well, uh, good luck figuring that one out. Um, so I think that is definitely a challenge that we have on the individual level, but also on the industry level, because there's so much stuff happening these days. Given how many open fronts there are these days, what would you recommend to those who are just starting out and don't know what to focus on? When people are really entering the industry, um, do whatever is fun and useful, really, um, because there's so much stuff to learn and it feels very, very overwhelming. Um, build your build your first websites, get it off the ground, and um, do whatever is fun and useful. But what I usually recommend to people is um, don't forget to be curious about technology when doing so. So what we what we see right now is that there are a lot of people um, just learning framework ABC. They're entering the industry. And while that is great to get products off the ground, I think it's very important to understand what is actually going on. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of the, the pillars of the web, which is um, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And I think it's still important to have a, a very good fundamental knowledge in these technologies. Uh, I wouldn't say that... And, and these are big areas by itself, right? You cannot be an expert in these three areas, especially when you have frameworks on top and maybe something on top of the frameworks. Um, but, I, but I think curiosity and kind of having this, this, this drive to like, ah, oh, I'm using that, but how does that actually work? I think that that's very important to, to become a good web developer. In your experience, what separates a good web dev from a great one? Is it the soft skills or is it more about hard skills? Well, I think there, there are two areas. Um, soft skills are usually a very underrated thing <laughs> when we, when we sp speak about software developers or, I don't know, hiring and team play in general. I think this is definitely a crucial part for a solid career, um, being humble, being helpful, um, all these kind of things to be a good team player. Um, that's something, for example, that probably should have been taught in, at university when I studied. Um, it was not. I'm not sure if that's a thing right now, but... Um, good or great teams or developers really depend on, on soft skills. Um, and I would love to have the industry or people focus a little bit more around that. Um, and speaking from the technology side, I think a, a great software developer is someone who always uh, puts the user actually first. So what we do in web development right now is that we, we have a lot of technology fatigue um, we're using the latest and greatest just because it is the latest and greatest or just because everybody is doing it. And especially when we think about web development, a lot of times technology cho choices are actually not the right choices. Uh, so what, what I see very often, very over-engineered sites and products where, some, where something simple would have done the job too. Um, there's nothing wrong with building something with the latest and greatest when you're playing around and you're building your, your own blog. But when you're, when you're building a commercial product, um, I, think, uh, I think it's very important to kind of take a step back and think about, hey, does the whole thing make it slower or is it now more inaccessible or is it less robust just because we wanted to use the latest and greatest technology? And I think great developers keep the bigger picture in mind um, and think about really what is, what, is the, what is the outcome for the user and um, build the best possible products. Because at the end of the day, that's, that's, that's what we're paid for. We're, we're not paid for playing with tech. We're, we're, we're 
paid for for building something great. And according to you, what are the top three soft skills a good web dev should have? I would say it's the usual things going from from being helpful, being humble, um, putting yourself into the shoes of your of your colleagues and maybe customers. I think this is a very underrated skill when, when we think about soft skills, because very often it always feels like everything is burning and everybody wants something. And, but very often, um, and I, I'm guilty of that myself, obviously, all the time, too. But uh, sometimes just taking a deep breath and where, thinking about where the other person is coming from, I think this is, this is very valuable. And thinking about um, building a career or working together in teams uh, one advice that I received a few years ago is um, that I now keep close to my heart is, especially when you're working. So I, I did a lot of startups, right? It's always stressful. It's always under pressure. It's always ship it, ship it, ship it, ship it, ship it. And very often um, what happened to me is that I had this kind of anti-mode and I was like, oh, everything is too much. And I just um, ranted a lot um, to several people. And I once ran into a situation where the person um, uh, in front of me were just, was just listening to me and was like, Stefan, I feel you, I emphasize with you, but what's the solution? And I didn't have one. I just wanted to rant, which was fine in the moment. But since then, um, when I really have the, the, the feeling that something has to change or something is really going on my nerves, um, since then I'm trying to think about the solution um, first and then proposing that to your colleagues, your bosses, your mates or whoever is around you because very often ranting <laughs> doesn't solve the problem um, and it's very easy to rant instead of changing something and that's that's something that I learned and that I keep with me for, for a couple of years now and it's definitely helpful. Absolutely. Thank you, Stefan. We look forward to speaking to you again soon. And now, this is what happened in technology this week. One of the most echoed statements about data is that it effectively is the new oil. Regardless of whether you agree or not with this comparison, you will surely find it ironic to see how much the decryption of data, this new oil, can end up affecting the old oil. Last Friday, Colonial Pipeline, one of the largest oil pipeline operators in the United States, experienced a ransomware cyber attack that pushed it to shut down its IT systems. Linked to the DarkSide hacking group, the breach happened on the business side of the company's IT infrastructure, but affected its nationwide operations. Although it is thought the motivations behind the attack were economic and not of sabotage, the incident reignites fears of the dangers hackers pose to a country's critical infrastructure. The supply disruption has caused oil prices to go up, with people all over the US piling up fuel reserves. <laughs> Moving on to other news. The idea of programming AI systems to teach themselves has been a gaining major traction in recent years. Flexible software that is able to learn through experience makes a lot of sense. But our current capabilities in this regard might not be as far-reaching as we think. A group of Amsterdam-based researchers built a simple robot and tried to make it learn how to move through trial and error. Made of independent units chained together into a train-like structure, the robot used a series of inflating pumps to propel itself at a top speed of 2 mm per second. Unfortunately, while the autonomous learning system managed to effectively move, maintain a stable pace and follow a circular track, the robot encountered a few real-world problems that threw all its calculations off. A good reminder of how easily a variable that's not accounted for can disrupt machine learning algorithms. And finally, the tech boom caused by the pandemic has brought along some troubling side effects. An increase in online abuse is one of them, with the number of tech abuse cases requiring specialized assistance 
growing by 97% over the last year. All around the world, domestic abusers use both legitimate online tools and so-called stalkware to harass, control, and monitor their partners. Suffice it to say, this kind of behavior usually predates or accompanies other forms of abuse, including physical and psychological abuse. That's why the Barclays-backed nonprofit Refuge has launched a site to help abuse victims protect themselves from tech-enabled domestic abuse. RefugeTechSafety.org has been built with the help of survivors and provides educational and actionable resources in multiple languages. And that's all for this week. Make sure you're following us on social media. We're on LinkedIn at MindQuest Talent and on Twitter at MindQuesting. Thank you for listening and until next time. Thank <laughs> you.